Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for another Hello, and welcome to the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, Season 32, Episode 21. My name is Kimmy. Hello, I'm Alec. I'm Sarah. I'm Jason. And in today's episode, everything's fine, by the way. Kraku from New Zealand wants advice on designing a game space for teens. Tom wants to attend more cons and run con games more successfully. Same. And Tarlin asks what to do when the party starts caring about the BBEG. <laughs> but they would never. <laughs> who, who does that? Oh, um, I chose the right podcast to come on. <laughs> If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Announcements. Our game days is happening November 4th. So if you want to join the Discord at happyjacks.org slash Discord, it's a day of people from the community running all sorts of games. There's like, I think three or four posted already that you can go and sign up for. It's totally free. Anybody can run anything. We usually have this wild assortment of strange and different games, which are super fun. And if you ever want to try something weird, there's always something weird. So go ahead. And that's going to be November 4th. It's all day. It's a Saturday event um, and usually kind of bleeds into Friday and Sunday because of time zones and such things. So yeah, check that out. And again, November 4th. And our Indie Designer of the Month for October is Monroe Wells Soto. He, they. And you can find their games at monroe.itch.io, which is, it makes me smile every time Monroe I say Row. Monroe Row. M-O-N-R-O-E-R-O-E.itch.io. Or Eldritch Crow on Twitter. The game that we're talking about this week is very dear to my heart. It's called Beneath the Canopy. And it is an over-the-garden-wall-inspired one-to-three-player journaling game. And if you don't know what over the garden wall is you should go find it because it's amazing it's whimsical horror it's fantastic and i'm obsessed with it and i love it so much so anyway it uses the major arcana tarot deck which over the garden wall and tarot game like for me you explore these strange woods in an attempt to go home or you lose all hope and fall to the beast the game does a great job of channeling the atmosphere of the inspiration and allows you to play in a fun space of something's not quite right, creeping, building into the sense of horror, while also being full of whimsy, which doesn't seem like it would go together, but watch just over the garden wall and you'll get it. And the, this game does a really great job of like capturing that in a very, really neat way. It's usually $15, but it's on sale right now for $7.50 on monroro.itch.io. Monroe I gotta Bro. go. Yeah. Yeah. Go to monroro.itch.io. <laughs> okay. I'm done with the rhyming things. But anyway, go go find that game because I'm I'm so excited about that game. And I love that. Garden Wall so good. It's so good. So good. Okay. I will begin <laughs> with mailbag number one. Kia Ora, Jack of Snipes, Jack of Lopes, Jack of Napes, Jack Boots, Jack Asses, and Jacks of all other happy and dodgy origins. It is I. <laughs> Hiraku, emerging from the digital shadows to plague the court with context and questions. First, the context. 
Currently, we have CAPCON, an annual TTRPG convention held in Wellington, New Zealand's capital, every February. With Idzed's hive of scum and villainy, we have Adventure Zone for ages 6 through 12 on the Sunday of the convention. It is in place so the next generation can be incalculated into their initial forays into role-playing. We've actually had kids as young as four join the fun. Oh, the fun of teaching the youth with pretty clicky clacky math rocks. Mm. <laughs> I've run a couple sessions of cat RPG that has been well-received by our troop of young creatives. Several of these kids are now getting past Adventure Zone, and we merrily fling these callow youths into general gameplay where we try to find them age-appropriate games to join or run. Discussions were had, and my very own urchin stabbed her own man in the back by volunteering me to set up a teen section at the next Capcom focused on the 13 to 17 age group. Nice going, kid. Yeah. <laughs> and while I am no mere hedge mage, filled with naught but frippery, I thought it best to cast my net somewhat further than myself and perfidious child to come up with some ideas about this new endeavor. So, forthwith, on to my questions. One, do you think it is generally a capital idea? In an era when we should be embracing diversity, is it a good idea to shut the goblins in a space where we can better <laughs> tailor the experience to their needs and social forces? Children seldom misquote. In fact, they usually repeat word for word what you shouldn't have said. <laughs> Two. Oh, can, let's maybe yeah. address these before oh, yeah. we go all the way yeah, through. Yeah, let's do that one. Children should never be allowed to play roles. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm playing the heel. So this is kind of a, should children play with adults? Or should, or should they... we have them play in at 13 to 17 age separately? Yeah, I think this is like, should they have an age group appropriate thing? Because it seems like it was like 6 to 12 or the adult games. Mm -hmm. And this is like, what if there was a middle space and asking if that's good at all? Uh, Which, yes. I'm going to say yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah, I definitely think so, too. Um, yeah. There's mm -hmm. a reason why we separate third grade from sixth grade, because mm -hmm. they're developmentally different and do different things mm -hmm. and need different things from their experiences. Yeah. And also there's, oh, oh uh, there's nothing to say that like a 16 or 17 year old wouldn't be allowed to necessarily join a like adult group if it was appropriate and if they were comfortable. But I was just, I just got the honor of talking to Zach Clay, who runs a lot of D&D &D clubs for middle and high schoolers in San Francisco. And he spoke really well to the fact that like kids, especially of that age, are learning a lot of like social graces and mores and morals that are better suited to like learning within their own age group with a guide. And so I think it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Helps you learn things and develop that squishy little brain. So yeah. absolutely. Also, some adults are really creepy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like more than like, keeping the, the kids away from the adults. Like there's definitely an element of keeping the adults away from the kids and yeah. underage kids. And I, I'm not saying that that would happen specifically at your con, but that's mm. something you should always give the, the youths a choice to not have to engage with that because they, a lot of them don't have the tools to do that appropriately. A lot of adults don't have the tools to do it appropriately. Yes. So putting them in a situation where they're sitting at a table where they're being made to feel uncomfortable and they, they won't know what to do. So I'm not saying that won't happen with peers and people their own age range, but they are more prepared to handle that. And it's something that they're more familiar with in their daily lives. So I think that's a, a capital idea. All right. Number two, <laughs> is a rose by any other name a sweet? And what are some suggestions as alternates to these names that smell somewhat of corpse? Oh, land? naming things. <laughs> naming. Okay. Okay. Ugh. Oh, no. Teen Zone. No. Imagination <laughs> Alley. Maybe. Epic Odyssey Nexus. Labyrinth of Legends. And Mystic Meeting Grounds. Okay. So we have to think about the acronym. 
Mm. That's true. That's true. Forever. Forever Eowyn. and forever. Eowyn's pretty good. I mean, I don't know. League of Legends and Labyrinth of Legends. It's too close. Yeah. It's Especially dangerous. if they're in that age range. If yeah. you're like a 16-year-old boy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like League's like too old for them, though. They're all playing Fortnite. I think that's why it's bad. Is oh, okay. Because yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, what is that old person yeah, game yeah, yeah, that you're yeah, trying yeah. to tie this into? Yeah. yeah. They definitely. Yeah. Depends like, on like, the type of kid. Yes. Yeah. He's playing, certainly. <laughs> yes. MMG's kind of got a good ring to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 MMG's pretty good. I wonder if there's uh, something using the LFG acronym. I guess Ooh. you don't want to step on that too bad, yeah. but like that could be something. Yeah. I also, I like that you have Adventure Zone. I feel like moving up a step from Adventure Zone is kind of nice. Yes. But not yeah. to Teen Zone because <laughs> teens don't want to do something if, in a Teen Zone. If yeah. you were like, come to the Teen Zone, I would fling you into the sun. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. I would be gone. Yeah. 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 Um, um, but if you're moving out of the zone and into like the map or the journey or the battlefield or like Zone of Struth Jason's terrible what's naming things too what is truth that's yeah. an old English term oh boy oh, wow <laughs> I'll, let me look it up so I define it correctly um, what's a slight downgrade from adventure like what is the thing that you do that's just a Errand. little like a jaunt <laughs> chores <laughs> chore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's used as a mild oath that's short for God's truth Oh, yeah. Wow. Roots, like That's sounds. pretty wild. Yes. <laughs> we should brew on the names while we... We could, yeah. Thank you sure. for the next question. Okay. A chessboard is about a battleground of squares. So how should we construct our field barrack for teen-led adventures, either with grown-up supervision or in their own space, or grown-ups as heralds, GMs, storytellers, and DMs, or as games on demand? Uh, that's well received in the main convention. Or should we do some Frankenstein's Prometheus of the above? And kind of a follow-up to that, like Adventure Zone, should we restrict it to but a single day of the revelry or straddle multiple days? Oh, like an advent- a single adventure that would straddle multiple days? I think like having that, that zone only exist for one day or for oh. the whole con. I think that you should base on how much participation you're getting and interest. Yeah. yeah. It's better to have a really busy single day thing than have it like very sparse and kind of... yeah. You I don't know, want just, GMs waiting. Yeah, and, I know it would suck to have people come back the next week and be like, oh, you're not doing it. But then you have to think ahead to next year, right? If you have a really busy day and not everyone got to do it, and then, like, then there's demand. Yeah. But having a big open thing for three days that like three people showed up to and then left and then two people yeah. showed up later and like, oh, but if they had just showed up during this six hour period on this one time where everyone knew this was the only opportunity to do it, it would have been compressed a little bit. It can be dangerous to give Mm -hmm. teens options. Yeah. 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 Paralysis of choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I I would say do it for one day unless you have a bunch of pre-reg stuff and like you have a very clear need to like start moving it. Fill fill one day up and then open the next day. Don't... Oh, yeah. yeah. If you have pre-reg, you can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it seems like it's a pretty big con. Most Mm -hmm. of them have that, so... I'm also... For the initial, should you have teens leading adventures or GMs? Kind of open to both, but I actually like the idea of still having some adult-led adventures. Yes. While also just like letting the players know that if they're very interested in volunteering with the con or starting to lead some adventures, Mm -hmm. this is a great way for them to get experience doing that. Yeah. Maybe the adults would be like con adults. Yeah, that's what I think. Sorry, I think I just stepped on you. Mm-mm. Okay. I feel perfectly unruffled. Okay. <laughs> Can I tell a slightly off-topic story? Sure. Yeah. Oh, wait, let me do one more thing. Because uh, Kimmy if, looks worried. 
Yeah, a little. That's okay. It's fine. You're a teacher, so I know it'll be appropriate. Uh-huh. I'm just I'm worried how off topic it'll be. It's not that off topic. It's okay. short. Oh, it's short. Okay. Well, uh, the other thing is if you get, if they get free badges, you might have a lot more oh, interest yeah. from teenagers who yes. generally short on cash. So that might be a thing to kind of like mm-hmm. push if you're, and, and I, I agree, like having a mix of adult and teen GMs would be awesome. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Make sure there's adults in the area. Yeah. All right. So I was thinking about the acronym situation and that I recently <laughs> was dealing with a group. I'm not going to say the, what the name of it is, but it was, their abbreviation would be FFP. Okay. But they spelled the middle one, which is the word four, with the number four. So it was F, the number four, P. Mm. Does anyone know what that looks like? Not great. Written out. Yes. <laughs> Immediately, everyone in this room says, that spells fap. Yep. <laughs> Not what I thought oh, of, but okay. I think what I thought of was worse. So. Oh, okay. Awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah, I also understand that as well. And th- that was just the, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. So. I was agonizing over like, do I need to tell the organizers because I don't think they know. And this is like a serious, like a, a austere organization that is like respect, needs respect and is around teenagers. Yeah. Right. And then in the recent missives, they've been writing FFP. Uh, and I was like, so yes. smart. Somebody told oh, them. Somebody said, oh, okay, thank God. <laughs> somebody showed this to a teenage boy. Great. Yeah. <laughs> he immediately laughed. Yes. I actually want to shout out Bumble True in chat said misadventure. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I kind oh. of like the misadventure zone. Sure. Or like misadventure as a bit of a step up for teens. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That is fun. Yep. Good job. All right. Okay. Cool. Uh, number four. My youths are all autistic. So my experience with advertising to the teens of today is somewhat skewed. Any thoughts on the best way to get the message out there to say, come on, come come on and come all and have a ball of fire and it can find <laughs> space and in our collective imagination. You just said it. That was great. That was really good. No actual balls of fire will be supplied or endorsed. Are school notice boards still a thing? No. No. I mean, they probably are at the school, but they don't really usually let people put things from the community. And the students anything. don't use them. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. Maybe if. Facebook event or something of the like. Uh, That'll get their parents to tell the parents. Yeah, tell the parents. (laughs) Facebooks. I mean, the teens, they're getting back on Instagram. They love Instagram. Sure. If Uh, you could make a TikTok for it. Yeah, TikTok is good. TikTok will get you, but like you've got to, you've got to really commit to that. Yeah, Uh, it's so much work. Yeah. And I feel like what you need is just a still, like a poster for your thing. And Instagram is like so good. Put the hashtags on it. Instagram pushes things to people's feeds these days. So, yeah. 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 Um, Honestly, even if you just took one video of like, you put the photo in and then you flip through some game books and you say, we're running for this age group. uh, Please come to this day of the con. That will do great on Instagram too. Yeah. I think though, like even with social media, I think your biggest thing is going to be word of mouth or word of internet, as it were. Yeah. Like people on the internet who see it and share it with the people they know or, or copy it and send it to specifically their friends. You might want to check out, like, if there are spaces where there are there's communal play happening already. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, there's probably, like, Teens these days, again, love playing D&D. Mm-hmm. It's like every time a club gets opened, it immediately gets totally filled. So any local yeah. schools that have D&D clubs yeah. just like drop off some posters with the teachers, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know you're in New Zealand. I'm not sure what the library situation is sure. like in the area that you're talking about. But 
uh, there are a lot of local library clubs. Especially New Zealand for, has great public libraries. Yeah. We're just there in the spring. So mm-hmm. like some posters to the library, let them know, maybe even figure out if the con has any connection to like renting books from libraries or stuff like that. I just know there's very robust programs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also suggestion in the chat, asking some teens. Mm-hmm. This is a great, like teens who you know are already interested. Presumably you have a handful who want to do this and that's why you're setting this all up. They might have some great, they probably have some great ideas that would be appropriate. Yeah. When I was part of a collegiate tabletop gaming group back in college, my freshman year, one of the things that actually got me into playing tabletop role-playing games is that we had a first-time GM event that we would put on. Ah. So anyone who had GM'd before had this day that was set up where people who had played before, even like new players would Mm -hmm. come. And it was like... They got tools, they got pre-made adventures that were set up for them to run games for the first time. So I do maybe like the idea of saying, you know, this is a first-time player event as well. If you're not just trying to get the, uh, you know, like kids who are graduating up saying like your first time playing D&D might be a good way to open it to Mm -hmm. a younger audience without saying this is for the youth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. First time player. Even if you do put an age on the door, it's still like... Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I, I mean, maybe this is a terrible idea. Like, I'm sort of like, how much of me is being a very uncool teacher right now? But what if they did like a naming competition? Like, to name the zone? You're going to get mm-hmm. Gaming McGame face, but I'm not opposed sure. to it. But like, they'd be able to pick it's the winner. It's their own fault and it gets some buzz Let them around. Vote it. Yeah. Out of a few. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, like vote to get the top choices and then like the con could pick which one actually won. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, so that way you have like, when I have my students vote every year on our class rules. <laughs> and that. it's like, okay, we're going to narrow it down to a bunch and then I'll pick the ones that are the best. And mm-hmm. somehow magically, it's always all the ones I want. Yeah. They all vote and they feel very Incredible. engaged. Mm-hmm. Incredible. So it's just yeah. like the American voting system. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. exactly. No, do not disengage from that. Everyone vote. Yeah, uh, that everybody is vote. a very off-color yeah. joke on my part. Oh, I feel so disenfranchised. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, but Anyway, but the, then if, if you have a bunch of teens like all submitting ideas, going to a place to to vote, and then whoever wins gets like a badge or a pair of badges so they can bring a friend or a date, that might be something that motivates them and yeah. and gets the word out more about it, even if you end up with Connie McCotton face. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, number five is prizes. Well, every yeah. good tourney is expected to have them, and we do have prizes in the main convention for best GM, best player, best in-game event, and several others. Should we be setting up a specific prize pool that's teen-focused? And then just kind of to follow that, any other thoughts, tips, suggestions, and feedback will be taken with the utmost care and attention. Like the gaze of a harrier upon the rabbit on the moors, I'll achieve about 60% accuracy and no doubt rip it to shreds before I consume. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks in absentia for what I am about to receive. And remember, if you can't be good, be good at it. Karaku. Uh, P.S. Sorry, I've not used a question mark throughout. A ruinous teen has broken the key. I don't believe it was grammatical overuse. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I love prizes. However, I don't think, and this might just be my opinion, but I don't think handing out like best player or best GM to teenagers is a good idea because they will take it right to heart Mm -hmm. and be like, I got bad grades in being a D&D player. Yeah. Or what do I have to do to win? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, which is not really what we want from them. But if you did stuff like highest roll or first natural 20 yeah. or let's, what else? Best dressed. No, yeah, <laughs> that's a terrible. That is a, well, you're thinking one of the things I love at Strategic Con that they do, and it's silly, but it makes me really happy 
is if you GM a game, like they give you a D6 that has like the con and the dates yep. on it. That kind of thing's really nice. And it's just like, and I get one or two and it's just silly. But now I have a collection going back that. like over a decade of like me GMing. So I have all these dice from three times a year and the little dates on them. And it's just fun. And every time they get different colors. Yeah. Um. So like if you can afford it, like it's not super expensive to get D6s made with a logo on one side of it. It's really, really cheap, actually. You can get tons of them. So honestly, just giving everybody one of those or giving at least everyone who GMs one. Steffi just blew it up. Yep. Best critical, for, first crit, crit critical fail. fail. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Reward, failure, reward, talking to the experience points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even that for every game. Yeah. Like if you have just like a sets of cheap dice or like, because you can get dice for less than a dollar, like a whole sure. set of dice for yeah. less than a dollar. Yeah. Um, or like one die that has like the con date or whatever. Yeah. Like, okay, every DM gets to like, or GM, hopefully there's more than just D&D, you know. I can hold it in my heart that there is. But Oh yeah, minimum damage. Yeah, like, okay, they give this to the kid who gets the highest roll the or the most damage or whatever. Like have a couple of them that like, so multiple people even at each table get to feel like, oh, that's awesome. And there's yeah. kind of like excitement at the table when that happens. Yeah. What if it was there was also like a raffle and you have to be present to win it? Like that will be I, I mean, maybe not, but I would fail at that. And I'm well, a, everyone but the person who wins fails at the raffle. <laughs> but it's purely random. So it's just like, hey, or we're gonna every hour, mm-hmm. right? So it's six hours yeah. and we're gonna give out six of these prizes and everyone's who's here, we're gonna call one until we get someone who's here. So it also would encourage teens to like be in the room where it happens. I will also recommend as someone who's worked for a few different TTRP publishing companies, if you reach out and you say, I'm putting on like kids-based events or youth-based events and I'm trying to encourage people to play games and we'd love to run your game there, they will send you product. They will. Or they will send you steep discounts for product or they'll send you PDFs and things like that. So any kind of giveaway that you can do where you say like, hey, we're playing this indie game, you get a PDF copy of the game if you play it. So if you enjoy it, you can bring it back to your friends. That's a great reward for players and a great way to incentivize, I don't know, just like not even sponsorships, but like partnerships, both with like indie designers and with passing it forward for people to teach other to play. So that's a brilliant idea. I love that. Yeah, because I mean that as gamers, we're somewhat jaded a little bit. Like, I don't know if I'll play that. Let me see. Like if you tell a kid you're getting a whole free game, even if it's a PDF version. Yep. Like, that seems like so much to them. They're very excited, especially if they start going through and most of them are beautiful. They've got art and they're like yeah. 100, 200 pages long. I, I would donate to that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, that's brilliant. Cool. cool. On to the next. And I don't think we can come up with a brilliant name for you. I'm sorry. But you should do a contest and see if a gift does. But I do like the misadventure. Like, there's something there. Right. there. Yeah. yeah. Misadventure zone mm-hmm. is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much. I like that. Yeah. Am I next up on the on the sure, reading the mailbag? Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Dear Happy Jack's crew. Well, finally sitting down to finish an email to you. I have a few drafts I started floating around electronically, but after seeing people at Big Bad Con. <gasps> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to sit down and send an email no matter how short to you all. And on that note, it was great to meet everyone that I was able to run into at Big Bad Con. And I'm sorry for not being able to meet everyone from the community that was there. I really enjoyed Big Bad Con. Lots of great games and people. It's hard to not ramble at length about both. Mood. The only games I was in that felt I, I felt I had issues with were those I was actually running. My Under Hollow Hills game, PBTA Fairy Circus from the Bakers, Mood. 
in the last time slot only had two players show up. They were uh, both on the quieter side to start, but I think we were all tired at the end of the con. Real. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. And I was worried as we took our break that I hadn't pulled them in. Things turned around as we came back and started the performance and reminded me why I love Under Hollow Hills. <laughs> Dice rolls went for and against the PCs, but the session ended with all of us laughing and enjoying the game as the PCs dealt with misfortune and put together a successful enough show to get out of the swamp. Nice. Yeah. Here I would like to apologize to everyone who played in my Jacker Con Under Hollow Hills game. I totally messed up the circus power. Oh, no. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> I've never messed up rules at a con ever. Getting back on track, so that game pulled together, but my other con game didn't quite do the same. We wrapped it up a little early as one player wasn't feeling well, but in general, I could just feel the players weren't into the game. I know this is extremely vague, but for my first question, I thought I would ask about any general suggestions for trying to pull characters back into a game, particularly at a con or one shot, when you can tell they haven't gotten into the game yet. Again, I apologize for a vague, ill-defined question. It's a pretty good question. Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Yeah. I haven't run too many games at cons, but I've definitely come across like walking up to the table and realizing that there was a lot of disparate energy, maybe some people who are more excited, some people who are on the quieter side. And the thing that I always love to do in the beginning is to like, A, ask their experience with playing games and try to like get a little bit there of like what they've enjoyed about those games before at cons. Mm. And then if I don't get the information from that question, I'll just come right out once everyone is at the table and be like, so like, what do we like about playing games? Like, what's the thing that we most enjoy? And that way you can make yourself a little cheat sheet for ways that these people are going to enjoy your game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will also say, as someone who ran a game on the last day of Big Bad Con, that <laughs> it can be tough to muster up the energy after oh. a lot of con going and socializing and all of that. So just off the bat, Tom, I do not think that you did a bad not, job. No. Yeah. It really is not on you. Like people don't always recognize their own capabilities. And even if they show up, like maybe a quieter game is what they needed, not a higher energy game. So one of my recommendations, kind of to Sarah's point, is what you gauge the energy level and you recognize that people are really not going to be able to bring it, which I also did for some of my, I've done for some of my con games. I actually say like, hey, we're going to have two breaks. We are going to maybe lean back a little bit on some of these intense role-playing elements or mechanics. We're just going to kind of chat about character ideas that we like. We're going to kind of loosely skim over some parts and then we're just going to lean in on things that you're actually having a good time with. If you're tired, we can also cut and end early. So like shortening, uh, shortening a game and saying it's okay to skim over things is really helpful. Don't feel like you have to fill in all the dead space with being really excited and energetic. Like mm-hmm. you can match their energy level too. Yeah, yeah and, and giving them options to be honest about where they are is yeah. such a relief because they're probably feeling the pressure to perform too. Like, they're just like, oh, man, I know I'm feeling, like, so drained. I can't think of how to make this character, like, like they're, they're struggling with the exact, like, the, the exact reflection of what you are. So just like Alex said, like, just give them permission to be a little chill, and they will love you. <laughs> they will love that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Also, I would, I, I know we've said, cut yourself a little bit of slack. Like, they can be down energy for so many reasons. God, yeah. yeah. They could have forgot their ADHD meds. Mm-hmm. They could have been playing till 3 a.m. and they still showed up at your 9 a.m. game, right? Like, that's love. That's huge. Yeah. They, they have given you everything they could give. <laughs> and to just accept that in the spirit that it's 
already been brought in, as mm-hmm. the phrase goes, is a gift in its own right to be able to run with that. I also, like, I think, unfortunately, the game I have run the most at cons is my game. That's not unfortunate. That's and, like, great. Well, yeah. I mean, I want to run other stuff, yeah. right? Like, I, I wish I'd run other stuff. But the point is, I've had some success because I knew the game so well, I could sit down and say, so, what do you like about mythology? Mm-hmm. And if everybody at the table's like, I love Percy Jackson, I don't tell them, well, that's not actually my favorite book series, and this doesn't have anything to do with that. I go, cool, what do you love about Percy Jackson? And that's fine. Like, you don't have to also, (laughs) this is just general advice. When somebody says they like something, you don't have to tell them that you don't like it. (laughs) Good advice. Don't yuck there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's for free. You could just keep it to yourself. (laughs) Um, But then also, if I have a table full of people go like, American gods, all of the suffering. (laughs) I like, cool. I know where this is going. (laughs) And if, Two people say American Gods and two people say Percy Jackson. They have to look at each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you gotta have a conversation there. Right. But now everybody's on the same page of like, ooh, we wanted different things. What are we going to do about that? And I've got some tools for that too. But a lot of that comes from I've not been brave enough to take a game to con that I didn't know inside and out. And I'm not saying people shouldn't just go cold read a new game. Like, that sounds fun too. But the benefit of knowing the themes inside and out and being able to ask the players like, so what do you like about superheroes? You know, just knowing whether they like DC or Marvel tells you a ton about how your masks game should go. Uh, I have a funny little short story in in relation to that, which is I ran a game at PAX Unplugged last year and it was set to be, I think, Alien. And I showed up to the table and I had been teaching myself Alien like the night before and it was kind of scattered, but I had prepped all of that the table showed up and said, okay, we're here for Morkborg. Oh. And I knew I was supposed to run Morkborg later that day, uh-huh. but I hadn't read the system. I knew nothing about oh. Morkborg. And so I sat on the table and I said, I can run you through Alien, even though you're not, you, that wasn't what you signed up for. Or if you give me 15 minutes and you are very patient with my ability <laughs> to run this game, we can play Morkborg. And we sat and we had a conversation. They said, actually, we really want to play Morkborg. Yeah. So they took they went off for 20 minutes and then came back after i had skimmed through the rules which you should not do that for like a big thick game like pathfinder no, right? no, no. be honest about your ability <laughs> not gonna work but if it's a, a shorter game that you know let the players know that you just gotta step away mm-hmm. or that you are not ready but also i think one of the reasons it's really great to run a game that you know inside and out is that it's really hard to teach players thick difficult mechanics and have them read through stuff at a con yeah yeah so explaining the rules for them somewhere. Or at an actual play that you've been running for 15 (laughs) sessions. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I know the rules for you. No, I know. (laughs) I'm a nerd. Um, And also, just as a little button, uh, Big Bad Con was one of the most exhausting, most amazing, but most exhausting conventions I've ever been to. So low energy players is not a surprise. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. A lot of us were up very late. Yeah. I think one of the strategies, because I do want to, also give you some strategies, not just be like, it's fine. You're okay. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Yeah. I mean, I think it was fine. And I think you can like be nice to yourself. But especially at tables where I have a, a low number of people, I try to engage them more. But like, like Alex was saying, it's really important to do it at their energy level. So like calmly. Okay. You walk into the room. What do you <clears throat> notice? So then they're starting to add to the fiction. It starts increasing their investment. And it also lets them point it in a direction. 
Like if they're going to fight, they're if they're interested in a fight, they're going to start noticing things in the room that lead to fighting. Yeah. Generally, and that's just like psychology. And if they're not, they're going to notice. They're really tired. They're going to like. I notice there's a big soft chair. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, and that's going to take Fuck you. Yeah. yeah, and that's going to take you to nap time. Yeah, yeah. and it's going to direct where you should kind of direct your game too. Because sometimes it's in the middle of it, you suddenly realize, okay, the, the energy level is not going up. So like asking them for input without putting them like, like on the spot to solve things, like just saying, what do you notice is something really simple because there's not like a wrong answer to that. Yeah. And it's very open-ended and they can give a low energy answer. If they're feeling low energy, it's not like they come up to you and ask what, you know, yeah. what you've been doing all day. And then they have to give like this monologue about that and like. Yeah. Like keep the questions like low key and pretty chill so that they can do that. But at, you might see as they are starting to contribute and as they're being kind of pulled into um, creating the fiction with you, that their energy level starts to go up and their investment starts going up. Yeah. So many players have not had an opportunity to help describe the yeah. game in the yeah. setting where the I've had players at a con be like, no one's asked me to help describe this before. Like what is happening right now? It was also their first PBTA game. So like, this is a whole different kind of scenario. Yeah. But like being open to that, I also have had players who are like, I don't know what to describe. That's your job. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Fair enough. that's cool. Some <laughs> yeah. players will not be able to answer a question on, yeah. on the spot. Yeah, yeah. and they don't want, want to, and that's okay. Right? Yeah. But yeah. Very big. Uh, uh, also, it was really um, great to meet you, by the way. Just thank you for hanging out. It was cool. Yeah. It was, it was great. Thanks for, for hanging out with us, Tom. Next part, I am looking for potentially another con to try to attend. Big Bad Con is the only one on my regular schedule. And between looking at other local cons in the Bay Area or maybe a little further out, I was wondering about Strategic Con. Mm, well, yeah. Or the other LA cons. Are there any in particular the advice crew would recommend, as well as any other suggestions for attendance? Hotels, planning for someone coming in and out of the immediate area, etc. To wrap up. I wanted to say how grateful I am for the Happy Jacks community. My schedule makes gaming really difficult. It has been great to be able to play in games online with such wonderful people at JackerCon and the various game days. And that's in addition to all the great podcast content. Thanks again, Tom Stinky Fool from the Discord. That's a great username. <laughs> yeah. Super good. Yes, thank you to Kadave for the drink at BBC. PPS drink an inappropriate yeah. number of times. Woo-hoo. All right. Yay. Um, I mean, we're biased. I recommend StrategicCon <laughs> three times a year. It helps with Doctor prognoses. Point testing. It, it helps with the roofing situation in your housing. Mm-hmm. Your roof will be sturdier and keep the rain out better. Wow. It's incredible. Great, huh? Yeah, but only if you go three times a year. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. very fair. It'll also refresh the tires on your car. Mm-hmm. So I need that. Yeah, we like Strategicon. It is our like go-to local con. It's actually bigger than Big Bad Con, even though it doesn't feel it because. Yeah. Well, it, it feels like it because it seems more crowded because the hotel is like smaller space. It's not as like as voluptuous with like square footage. Voluptuous but, is a good word. Yeah. Like it <laughs> Thanks. But it is very, it's literally at LAX. So if you fly into LAX, there's a little shuttle that takes you right there. It's like down the street, a couple blocks. The hotel is fine. <laughs> it's fine. I wish the bar didn't wait till 4 p.m. to open, yeah, but you know. Not- Fine. Yeah, it's fine. But it's a great precise. Yeah, it's it's a very if you've gone to cons before, it's very easy to figure out. There's no mystery. It's run very traditionally like a con with signups ahead of time. And there's a dealer room and there's all the different 
types of games ever. There's like a big like uh, like war game section, and so they have board they have games. everything. Board games, tons of board games. So there's a lot of things there. If you have family that you want to bring with you that aren't into gaming, it's LA, so there's stuff for them to do. It's right by the beach. I want to mention something. I haven't seen the other cons, which doesn't mean they don't do it. But so StrategicCon has you can sign up for events ahead of time online. That's fine. But then when games are running during the day, specifically for tabletop RPGs, they open up the, like a paper, a, a notebook with paper in it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a list of each game and it's all ordered by time. And the games that are running now are all out on the table. And you could just walk by and look at them. You don't have to get your con notebook out. You don't have to look up online on your screen. Nice. And mm-hmm. you could just walk by and go like, ooh, they have an open seat. And you write your name down on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and go over there and make sure they still have an empty seat. And if you're and like wait me, lists. yeah, yeah, and wait lists, wait list. yeah, where if, if somebody doesn't show up, then you can just hop into that game and wait politely. And I haven't seen a lot of the a lot of other cons do a paper sign up. And I think some of it is an artifact of the fact that this con has been running for a hundred years since the before times. But it's like an artifact that I hope stays. Mm-hmm. Right, not everything that's old is bad. People, you can't just throw me in the dumpster. Um, <laughs> But it's just so easy. Yeah. Like, and, and they have it actually, the, the pages are color coded depending on yeah. what type of game it is. Ooh, yes. So you go up and you're like, oh, these are all the RPGs that are yellow paper yep. and stuff. So it's really fast. It's easy to do if you have an empty spot in your thing. And it's also super easy to, if you don't feel well, if you're tired, like what we were just talking about, you can go up and scratch your name off real yes. easy. Yeah. And then that's everybody great. can see like, oh, okay, that's an empty seat. So it's not like that people are hanging. <laughs> I love when cons have a way Too to bad tap out of a game. Yeah. It's really yeah. helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that as a GM because I run so many games there and sometimes people just come scratch their name out and, and people will like go and add their name or you at least you just know so you're not waiting for them. Right. Which is such a big thing. Yeah. I am not as familiar with many of the West Coast cons, but I will say if you're able to get out to PAX Unplugged, there are some great groups that run games out there. I have had a very positive experience GMing out there. Mm-hmm. and. Is a great city. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of hotel options and Airbnb options around there. Yeah. And it's huge. It's very big. Yeah. It's very it's big. big yeah. It's one, but one it can be a bit of a trip if you're coming from San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, a drive. Little bit of a trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should we do our last mailbag here? I mean, you can hang out with us again if you're going to Strategicon. Let's like yes. be honest. Like that's the real selling point of Strategicon. Yeah. Come say hi. Is like have a beer with us. Yes. Drink with us. Or whatever you like. Or whatever. You don't yeah. have to actually drink it. I mean, water would be fine. Yeah. Mailbag number three. Greetings, Kimmy the Magnificent and her slightly less magnificent, but still better than just okay crew. So our group just started a new Arabian Nights campaign run in Prowlers and Paragons, a supers-oriented system that tries to strike a balance between storytelling and crunch and does a pretty good job of it, in my humble opinion. A plucky gang of thieves up against a nasty tyrant. In the back and forth of the session zero, I ended up creating a jasmine-like princess slash thief with a sprinkling of Azula, who was also the daughter of said tyrant. Mm, Daughter of a villain. Awesome. Mm -hmm. This is a brilliant idea. Definitely a different sort of PC for the game, but I went for it and it had a very cool effect. All of a sudden, the evil for evil's sake tyrant was also daddy, which already was. It's this. Um, uh-huh. Is yeah. everybody OK? Or we're, we're OK. <laughs> Plans to just assassinate the tyrant get vetoed. Questions 
into reasons for his actions lead to tragic love stories and manipulations by others. <laughs> this is everything. Yeah. So it got me thinking. Usually, the big bad evil guy is always off in the distance, doing evil for evil's sake. They're too powerful for the PCs to take on directly. Or if they aren't, PCs kill them right quick. <laughs> we don't get to know them at all. Frequently, the first meeting between the PCs and the BBEG is the boss fight at the end of the campaign. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that's not always the case. So my question, have you had experiences where you really get to know the BBEG? What are some tricks or tips for GMs to give their villains more depth and character? Discuss. Thanks, Terellin. P.S. Well, you said you need more emails. P.P.S. Drink. I, <laughs> mine's empty. Yeah. P.P.P.S. Go Gerps. Go Gerps. Yeah. O.P.P.P.S. Cheers to the toddler whose name rhymes with mine. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that means I said it right. Yeah. As I said to Orlin, I was like, I don't know if I said it right, but <laughs> I'm going for it. She had like the best day ever today. We went to the pumpkin patch and she <gasps> got to do a pony ride. Yeah, that, yes. that would be the best day ever for me now. I so, want to go to the yeah. pumpkin patch immediately. I was saying to Sarah earlier, <laughs> yeah. if I don't go apple picking this fall. Oh, if we're, mm -hmm. can we go? Yes, Hell yeah. Okay. My partner also Jack's likes pumpkin apple. Yes. Yeah, let's go. So good. Oh, um, someone actually this week was talking to me about a, um, uh, an apple picking thing that's pretty close. Oh, oh awesome. yeah. Okay. okay, so let's do that. Please. Immediately. Yeah. I'm so, glad we did this on the podcast so everyone can know that we're picking apples and yes. with me not well, remembering the name of the place. Us. That's an email if you want <laughs> yeah. to yeah. apple pick. Yeah. <laughs> so, sexy BBEGs. Wait, mm -hmm. is that what the question I was about? I feel like this question it could be asking one of two things. So maybe we should answer both, which is, well, the one is how do you give them the depth and experience so that the villain turns into daddy? And the <laughs> other one being like, how do you give a villain depth and character without them turning into daddy? You know? Like, how that. do you give them depth and character and not have your players simp <laughs> after them? And I do yeah. have an answer for that final one and for the first one, but I'll let you go, Jason. No, no, I, I'm no. just dying every time you say daddy. So daddy. please <laughs> say your thing. I just wanted to be excited about Underwood it. Farms. That's it. Thanks. Oh, very nice. So for this is actually very interesting that you're saying that you're playing a PC whose father is the evil one, because this is very close to the villain story that I'm about to tell in which this villain can die in a fire. I hate him. Go away. And there's no way he's very handsome. Don't get me wrong. I still hate him. And it is not my PC, but my PC's romantic interest NPC's father. And Alex knows this very well. Daddy's daddy. Because he runs the game for me. Mm -hmm. I can't believe your face is oh, blank boy. right now. It's Tyra's dad. Oh, Tyra's Cyrus. dad. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I think whenever you're trying to give a villain depth without creating a simpable character... You need to examine what can be evil without being like triggering or problematic mm. in a way that cannot be justified actioned. Mm -hmm. So if it's like, oh, he wants to kill this person because they murdered his wife. It's like, oh, well, now I care about him. Yeah. Whereas with this villain that was created, he is actively sucking the life energy out of his daughter because he's afraid to die because he fucked around and got a curse. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's no way to justify that. You're messing yeah. with your child. Yeah. And that, it's irredeemable. Yeah. And she's not a child anymore, by the way. She's a full adult. I mean, um, there's still... It's still his child. Yes, yes. Yeah. yes. But like harm to children yeah, is a yeah. thing for me. So I want yeah, to yeah, like yeah. make, yeah. yeah. So 
it's there are definitely prompts that you can have that are like these are things that in no way can your players feel like they are justified and no matter what they get to know about the villain that guy's gotta go down yeah. uh but if you want to make a simple villain uh just build in those tragic backstories build in those justifications like oh he had to murder these people because they killed his wife and kicked his company. <laughs> I was going to say dog, but I didn't want to. Yeah. Now that you've reminded me of that, Sarah, very excited to mention Simon on the podcast. But yeah. I am always of the opinion that people have a reason for doing something. Mm. And finding the reason that they're doing something makes for a more interesting story. I am not like an inherent fan of evil for evil's sake, although I will not begrudge. Like sometimes you just need a force of evil and there are plenty of like just dark shadows crossing a world or faceless mega corporations where you just need something to be evil so you can beat mm-hmm. it up. And that yeah. feels good. And, that feels and the great. reason is love money. The reason is love yeah. money. And yeah. like we can all agree capitalism sucks. Yeah. Right. But the finding a reason without having the PCs inherently like change the story. It's maybe you do. There are plenty of times where it's great to have the, we are redeeming the villain, but there are other times where for whatever reason, you really do want to tell the narrative of we're overcoming this villainous thing. So you want to find a reason that is understandable, but if the PC was given a chance to have that reason, they might not make the same choice because we all have our moments under duress where we would make a bad choice. But for example, if it's about getting revenge or if it's about being afraid, being cowardly, there are plenty of things that people lack the ability to like, be strong enough to face that might mean they make the wrong decision in a moment. So finding a reason that says they made the wrong choice morally, but we understand why they did it is a great way to remove that simp nature. I do think mm-hmm. cowardice. I do think lack of understanding. I do think selfishness like all all these things that are not they don't make someone irredeemable but they do say at a certain point you've taken it too far we cannot follow you down that road we can't understand why you've made all of these choices over and over again that helps with the Mm -hmm. we can redeem them vibe Mm -hmm. and fix him yeah (laughs) i like to think about how the villain thinks of themselves right like nobody is a villain in their own story most most villains I think there are certainly, there are the villains who've kind of lost their minds, right? But one of my favorite things to think about is somebody's made a selfish, crappy decision and like a particular righteous mindset. Once you break the seal on Breaking Bad and do the wrong thing, you land in, well, fuck it. Nothing matters now because I'm going to hell or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm already a bad person. There's nothing, and, th- and then there's two ways from that. Like, I'm gonna do everything I can to make up for it, or here we go, <laughs> strap yeah, in I'm on the roller coaster. And finding that path, I think, can be really, really interesting. And yeah, that's that's what made me think of that. Yeah, if you want the players to not fall in love with daddy bad person, have the bad person hurt the PCs like directly harm them or the people in their backstory or something like that. Obviously, use your safety tools. Be careful with that. Yeah. But if you make, like, he has a vengeance, uh, like, great. Okay, they can be very sympathetic to that until you engage their need for vengeance. Mm -hmm. 
And then that immediately will cut down at least by 50%, depending on how attractive the big bad is, their chance of falling in love with them. But I also think just a, I enjoy what I'm doing can be enough to kind of color that because there are things Mm -hmm. we can understand that are justified or like have a reason, but then we don't expect people to enjoy them. Mm -hmm. So if it's like, I'm getting revenge for my dead wife and I discover that I've always like, loved this and I'm so fueled by this yeah. engine and it's like it's my purpose that's where we can see the mm-hmm. okay yeah. are you okay <laughs> like what's up with that uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. I do think that it's it's a really interesting part of this question about not encountering the BBEG until the very end because I've played in a lot of games where the evil that was like end game was very ever present and was something that was encountered not necessarily directly but we saw its machinations in the world and we saw the effects that were working out into different things and so i think that a good depth and character for villains is to think about how their influence ripples out into other things like a town has a supply chain problem because this villain cut off like this bridge and uh, didn't allow any travel to pass through it. Mm-hmm. Or you were just about to get this great MacGuffin and right as you almost got your hand on it, a rebel band that was employed by the big bad took it away from your grasp. Like, there's lots of ways to seed a villain into the world without having people directly encounter them. Yeah, and have them reach out directly to the party. Mm-hmm. Like, letters, creepy letters, magical orbs with, like, holograms. I don't know. Like, there's a bunch of ways in all of it. So that way they're having direct communication sometimes mm-hmm. without the thing where you put your big bad right in front of them and then they kill them and you're like, well, Oops. now Emperor Palpatine's dead. Now where does the story go? Somehow yeah. he returned. <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like be aware that whenever you put something actually physically where the party can attack it, it might die. Right. <laughs> So, like, weave that in using the magic or whatever from the system that you're using uh, so that they have direct, like, back and forth, maybe mocking them or, like, angry or whatever it is. Uh, Fantasy Zoom calls. Yeah, exactly. A little yeah. bit of monologuing during via hologram or whatever it is from the big bag can, like, go uh, a long way. It also might be fun. This doesn't work in all contexts, but I have used this a couple times of letting the players know, like, this is a cutscene. That none of you are present for. Yeah. But I want you to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I love like that. Yeah. And describe mm-hmm. some of it. And like the audience knows this. And you, the players, are also the audience. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking you to keep this knowledge separate, right? But here is the scene with the guy. I love doing like a season finale zoom out where we learn what the villain's been doing this whole time. Yeah. And you like you see them in their lair. That's one of my you favorite things. You do those a lot in games. <laughs> I, I love it. Say. And I love them. Like at the end of every movement of a campaign, Alex will have a few cutscenes that are always very enchanting and are kind of like a peek at what the next villain is up to. Nice. And it gets me really excited every time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I also think asking about experiences where people do get to know the BBEG, one of my one of the clearest cut examples to me is the idea of a BBEG who's hidden and tricking the party. So you have a character that's very dear to them, then oh, turns out that yeah. they're evil. People just love that. Like, that is a, a big favorite cliche for a lot of people, as long as you've checked that they're okay with, like, betrayal. betrayal you know, make yeah. sure that that's cool. But there are other... I want to think of, like, other examples where you have a character who's close to the party but not inherently lying to them. Mm-hmm. But I do think someone that they might have a lot of face-to-face with. And some of the... Some good examples are 
characters with power over other characters. So I'm yeah. thinking the mayor of a town, not the president of the country, mm-hmm. or the like person who is, I don't know, like a terrible lawyer, lawyer or something who's working with the party very frequently, but always on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. So you can have those like known characters who are actively engaging, but are not so evil that they like wouldn't be around here and not so powerful that they wouldn't interact directly. But those kind of like slightly closer so they know the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the king's advisor who like is the go-between or whatever. Those are usually pretty safe to have like betray because it's not really a betrayal because you're like, eh, we not right. really. Yeah. Yeah. You're an acquaintance, not a friend. That guy kind of sucked anyway, yeah. so yeah. whatever. Do you kind of hesitate to hit, like, confirm on, like, their friend request? You're like, <laughs> yeah. I guess I know them? Okay. I can always block them later. You're yeah. so heartbroken <laughs> that I'm stabbing you in the back. The king's cat sitter. Yeah. Right. yeah. Like, yeah. bringing it up on social media. What's your last name? Sorry, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, oh, that's your last name. Familial yeah. relationships. Like you said here, mm-hmm. you had a direct relationship to the BBEG. It doesn't have to be super direct. It could just be the father of a love interest or mm-hmm. the cousin who direct <laughs> the cousin who just like is traveling to the same location that you're going to and says, can I be along for the ride? Someone that you don't inherently have to jump to defend, but who they know or they know of. Yeah. Maybe even like someone who's kind of famous yeah. for oh, a yeah. good thing. Yeah. Famous hero or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can be really fun. Also, if you are going to do like a betrayal kind of thing and everyone's on board for that, really encourage you to remind the players that you're not going to lie to them, but the character might. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And that that distinction is important. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of DMs mess that up, frankly. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And they will lie to their players out of character. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not that's where players end up feeling let down or betrayed by their DM. Mm-hmm. Jason, right. you're a great GM. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's fantastic. I agree. That is great advice. That's something that I've messed up a few times when I was learning to be a good GM. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. I know we beat this question to death, but I want to say, like, also a surefire way to make sure that people don't simp after your character, which is more fun, to simp after them or to hate them. Yeah. Because if it's a character you love to hate, oh, you never want to let go of that. It feels good. Yeah. It's cathartic. They'll so. double down on that every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am also interested in, especially depending on the system, a BBEG that in many ways is not romanceable, but is like a force mm-hmm. or a like a like a large corporation, for example, things like that. That maybe so I like, can't romance Rise Corporation. <laughs> I mean, you could try. That's uh, that's been end season for me. Actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, be careful with things like plagues, obviously yeah. these days. Mm. But I do think that a BBEG that is connected to the party in some very intimate ways, but also is not like a face, is really fun and interesting. Yeah. Especially if you do have, again, if it's something like a zombie apocalypse spreading, characters who represent that force, but who are also being carried along by the wave of what it's doing and how it's changing things. Yeah, absolutely. Like the person who accidentally started the apocalypse is a great villain Mm -hmm. because you are so frustrated at them, but then you also might see like, hey, I I wish this didn't happen. I didn't need to do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love things that are like what you're saying, forces of nature. Like I've been in games where there's like corruption that's slowly seeping in and Like you'll pick up items that are then like kind of like cursed and like start affecting the players. And there's not one source of it. It's like a thing that's 
an elemental force in the world that you can take out certain people who happen to be really influenced by, but there's like not really a winning that, you know? I just remembered a favorite villain of mine from years ago Mm -hmm. who was like trying to do a big spell. Oops, apocalypse, (sighs) right? But that spell, that effect split him into good person, bad person. Like uh, like when Superman splits Mm -hmm. in the movie Mm -hmm. and there's like good Superman, bad Superman. Or it's like good, bad Superman and useless <laughs> Clark Kent, like no powers, whatever. Yeah. And the the not useless. Yeah. So the good one. The useful is the morals. <laughs> the good one came to the party. It was like, look, I need to tell you about this villain who's doing terrible, terrible things, and I need your help because they've drained my power and I can't do it by myself. Does not reveal that it's him. Yeah. But also, the party had to decide at some point, like if they kill the evil villain. This guy's also going to die unless they can find some way to merge them back together. There's and, always a third way. And that was like a high point for me. I can't believe I forgot about it. Like mm. that was that was a really That's fun a good time. one. That's okay. very cool. Love it. Yeah. All right. Are we set? We did it. I we did it. Aye, aye. All right. Thank you all for your amazing emails. Thank you for joining us for season 32, episode 21. Please support our amazing Indie Designer of the Month, Monroe Wells Soto, he, they, at monroro.itch.io. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. The private feed for the Patreons is up now, so you can go and listen to the backlog of many, many years, of like 13 years. Of, there's a lot of content there. And also, the new stuff we're releasing, the, the campaign wrap-up episodes and all that stuff is being dropped on that feed, too. My name is Kimmy. I've been Alex. I'm Sarah. I'm Jason. Today, we're going to leave with a song called 500 Miles by a band called The Merry Wives of Windsor. It's you. you that's me. Yeah, I'm, I'm singing in there a couple times. And uh, you can find them at mwowmerrywivesofwindsor.net. And uh, thank you. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. From my When I wake up, yeah, I know I'm going to be up next to you and when i go out yeah no i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the one who goes along with you and when i get drunk yeah no i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the one who gets drunk next to you and when i hate her yeah i know i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the one who's hearing to you and i So oh.
This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. Mm-hmm.